This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, and the dude, Jamie Rivers. Mr. Rivers, how the hell are you? I'm doing pretty good, Don. I'm doing pretty good. You know, things are busy this time of year, to say the least. And uh, got a lot of stuff going on, professionally and personally. you know, just kind of battling through. Yeah, yeah. Everything's good, though. Yeah. You're, I, I looked at the schedule of your Synergy hockey camps. It, my man, uh, it is amazing to me that you are walking and awake. And, <laughs> I, and it, dude, it's just, it's, you know, man, it's a re, it's, you are out there a lot. Yeah. And that's outside of whatever you're doing with your pro guys and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, I got a bunch of the Blues players reached out to me here a couple of days ago. They were name, nameless because yeah. I don't know if they want me to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, and you've always done that, too. Pretty, pretty until much, they yeah. say they don't care. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we're going to start doing some stuff here, uh, probably come starting next week through the end of the summer. And then, of course, the Kachuk boys have already given me the warning that they'll be getting ready to go <laughs> here soon. So we got those guys. We got camps going on. And I think for the rest of the summer in two different locations every week, We'll have over 130 kids next week, probably about the same the week after. we got a big Blues camp coming up. So St. Louis Blues Youth Hockey Camp is coming up. Uh, we have confirmation that Colton Pareko is going to come by the camp and say hi to the kids. Jamal Mayers is going to come by. Um, Alex Cavallini, goaltender for the women's national team. we got a locker room tour. we got a uh, presentation from the Blues strength and conditioning coach. And Louie's going to drop by. going to be a lot of fun. Man, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. If, is it too late for people to get their kids signed up? No, there's still, okay. uh, there's still some spots available for the Blues camp. And there are some select spots available for camps. Just go to SynergyHockeySkills.com summer programs and click there and you'll find everything man i'd love to go to a hockey camp right about now i mean i mean i'm terrible i mean i i the, the skating part would need to happen first but like that just sounds awesome on a day that it's six billion degrees outside yeah some days it has its perks you yeah, walk yeah. into the rink and it doesn't matter how hot it is outside you're just fine you know what to expect the temperature is always the same inside the arena yeah it's when you leave though so when you leave and you forget the, you know, I've got the luxury of the auto start on my truck, which right. thank you. Thank you, Londa Chevrolet, <laughs> for such a great truck. But you do the auto start, but you forget every now and then. You walk out and you're like, son of a... <laughs> Why do I live here? Oh, <laughs> you it. The moment you sit in the car, it starts to, like, you're sweating. And then you go to put your sunglasses on and they've been baking. So you burn the bridge of your nose. And, you know, all of that stuff. <laughs> Dude, and, like, I got a black car. Which was, yep. I mean, how stupid of an idea I is that? I had a black truck, Donnie. <laughs> Seems like a great idea when you're doing it. Well, you're looking at it going, man, that's badass. Mm-hmm. But you're not at all thinking, wow, that's going to be scorching hot any day that it's over 85 degrees outside. That is correct. So um, I had a chance to go. Um, I, I spent one of the days, uh, I guess it was the Monday before the 4th. I went over to Prospect Camp for a couple of hours and just kind of watched. I just kind of wanted to see how that all broke yep. down. And I'll tell you, and there was a, you know, there's a lot to talk about, but one of the first things that really struck me that I didn't think it would, but dude, seeing Alex Steen on the ice with a blues cap on, leading drills, talking to players, dude, I didn't know how much I miss Steener, man. It's so great to see him back out there. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's baby steps for Steener, too, because I think that. I think Alex Steen could have gotten as involved as he wanted or as little as he wanted. I think that there's kind of like an open invitation for him to be with the organization. I know that Army has a tremendous amount of respect for him, as does Craig Berube and, and the rest of the coaching staff. 
But I mean, this is good. You know, he he still got some kids that are growing up over in Sweden, mm-hmm. and this will give him an opportunity to live back in Sweden uh, with his family, and at the same time, kind of tour around with the European prospects and check in on them, whether it's scouting games or working on some things on the ice at practice, and just kind of staying dialed in at the same time scouting a lot of the young guys that are coming up there so that when the Blues have draft picks, which they have an abundance of draft picks over the next two, three years, that if they pick a kid from Sweden or Finland or anybody in, in that area, that, you know, Steiner's been there watching the kid. So we drafted five Swedes, didn't mm-hmm. we, this year? I mean, is the Steen effect, is that still too soon? That's. I think it's a little too soon. Okay. I think that okay. there was some input. I don't know how many games he scouted. Sure. Who knows? I have no idea, but I, I was do just know, curious because it seemed like a crazy coincidence yeah, sort of thing. You know, it, I think it is just that a coincidence. Yeah. But you know, the Detroit Red Wings built foundation of their team on Swedish players. You know, we had Lidstrom, Holmstrom, Zetterberg, uh, Samuelson, Franzen. We had a lot of Swedish players when the team was really, really good. And you're talking about those. Five guys, and those weren't just five role guys. No, they were big players. They, man. they were they were tremendous players. I have been meaning to ask you about this for the last couple of weeks, and I know that you're not going to have an answer, but I'm hoping that maybe you can give me a little bit of, of insight. And, I, you know, I understand when you're talking about the Hockey Hall of Fame, you know, there's always people that could be in, that should be in, that sort of thing. But honest to goodness, as a kid that grew up loving hockey in the late 80s, early 90s, and that's when I really, you know, <coughs> really jumped in. Why would Alexander McGillney not be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I don't know. That To me, Alexander McGillney and Keith Kachuk are the biggest pieces missing from the Hockey Hall of Fame. I really believe it. You know, Keith Kachuk, with the amount of goals he scored, the penalty minutes, and the way he played, he's a pioneer. One of the best U.S.-born players ever. Alex McGillney was just crushing it, too. I, I don't know. And like the thing, I is, don't know, Donnie. Well, and like, do you, so it like, seems like there's more than just meets the eye to me, right? It's like somebody doesn't like him for some reason. He did something to somebody, but it, but nobody knows. Nobody's talking about right. it, right? Which, which, which is crazy because, and I didn't realize this, but like, he and his family were under like serious threat from the Russian government because of how he defected. Yeah, that was back. He defected back when you like it was a, like terrible crime to do it. And he just said, screw it, I'm going to play in the NHL, and left. And then had a season where, didn't he score 70 goals or something? I think he scored, uh, it was 70 goals or close to 80. Good Lord, baby Jesus. Yeah, I have to double check on that. But, no, I mean, this guy was an absolute machine when it came to scoring goals. He was fast. He was hard to play against. He was strong on his feet. So I don't know why the NHL Hockey Hall of Fame has not called Alex McGillney. Because he deserves it. Yeah, and I mean, and like, and nothing, and no disrespect to like, and man, I know I'm gonna, but like, I loved Peter Turgeon, Pierre Turgeon as a player. I think he was a really wonderful player, but like, for him to be in the Hall of Fame before Alexander McGillney, that does not make any sort of sense to me. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense at all, to be honest, but you know, he's 76 is what he scored the one year in Buffalo. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Like, that's just crazy to yeah. me, man. Like, just crazy to me. Also, too, I have been doing a substantial amount, and I mean, I am, like, addicted to NHL Network on Sirius. Oh so I am off-season at big time in the in the silly season, as they call yeah. it, man. And I just absolutely cannot wait for hockey to be back. But there's a few things that we got we to gotta talk about here when it comes to our St. Louis Blues. And I think the very first thing that is just 
on the top of my mind all the time when I think about this team is Tory Krug. Is his future here? And not only his future here, but if you're in his position, all right, you know that this is a business and things, but you just tried to got you, you're, the team tried to trade you. You are not somebody that that the team particularly wants right now, and you know that. Can you just kind of talk a little bit about this, maybe from what you would believe would be Krug's perspective? Yeah, from his perspective is, you know, he didn't want to leave. He didn't want to go to a team that he didn't want to be a part of. You know, he earned the right as an unrestricted free agent to pick a team. He picked the St. Louis Blues. He also asked for a no-trade clause and was given that. So, in my opinion, Tory Krug wants to be a St. Louis Blue so we have to look at that and go, okay, that's positive. He's not just trying to bail on this team. He wants to be a part of the, the solution. He wants to be a part of the turnaround. Um, now, as a player, you know what? For me, it would be motivation. Mm-hmm. For me, I'd want to present a big F you to everybody who said that I should be traded and also to Doug Armstrong, quite mm-hmm. honestly. I'm, I mean, I'm not mad at Army, but at the same time, you use it as motivation. You wanted to trade me? Okay, fine. I'm going to go out and be the best damn player on this team. Now what? Now who looks like the fool? Right. You know, I'm not saying that Tory Krug is acting that way, but that's the way I would take it. Sure. For motivation to have another, like to have a bounce back season. Sure. So how? I mean, do you think d- does this introduce any weirdness to, in the locker room when he's back? Is it no, I no mean, weirdness in the locker room between teammates? Because it could and, be some weirdness the first time he sees Army. I would bet you that would be an uncomfortable conversation. That's yeah, for there sure. probably won't be a conversation probably just be in the same area and that's about it and so know? will they not speak to each other well i donnie i don't know you're asking okay. me to predict the future I, I have no idea i know that there'll be awkwardness sure at that point and you know if army is a professional which he is yeah he'll just walk over and shake his hand and tell him you know welcome back to camp and blah 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 let's get back to work period and then, i mean then... army had to deal with vladimir tarasenko so like look at this situation for a second Vladimir Tarasenko didn't want to be here Mm-mm. and was forced to be here because Army couldn't or wouldn't trade him. So now you got to welcome back an unhappy entity to your locker room. And the Blues powered through that, I thought, pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. At times I felt like, eh, it's wearing thin. But then at other times, like, you know, they did a pretty good job of parking it. So now you got a guy who didn't want to leave, who wants to stay here. There's no awkwardness. Got it. That makes that makes sense. There's no awkwardness. But also, too, okay, now that we're talking about Tarasenko, oh, baby. Uh, so, Vladdy changing agents for the third time in three years. Yeah. He supposedly, from what we were led to believe before he changed agents this last time, he had some kind of deal in place with Carolina. But that was washed clean. So, I originally was thinking, just in my brain, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, that Vlad was probably looking for three or four years, six, seven million dollars a season, probably, right? I mean, Maybe in that ballpark? I mean, probably somewhere in there, yeah. And so now he's going to be super lucky to get two from anybody. And don't you think this is going to end up looking like a one year deal for Vladimir wherever he signs? Oh, I think it has to be a one-year deal because if you're Vladimir Tarasenko, you're, and I know he's frustrated, and this is why he fired his agent. Um, you know, for one of the reasons he fired his agent. I don't know everything, but you know, teams weren't lining up for the big four or five-year contracts. They're lining up for a one or two-year contract, and a lot of teams out there are still in the "you need to prove it to me." I need to know you can be healthy. I need to know that you're going to be the player that you were a couple of seasons ago. Because he's not getting any younger, mm-hmm. and the injuries start to wear on a guy, 
And unfortunately, this is where Vladdy and his agent made a huge mistake. When they got so vocal about not wanting to be here, and they got so vocal about the team's medical staff and wanting to be the captain and not happy with his role, teams look at that now and they go, eh. Yeah. I'd rather take player A, B, or C over there rather than this. Then, like, then deal with this. With, deal with the potential sure. of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is where he's at, man. Do you see? A, do you? Is there a landing spot that you see for him? Well, there's been a lot of talk about the Ottawa Senators, but I just don't see how he fits into that. They're a young, up and coming team. Uh, they've got some pretty solid leadership in place with Brady, uh, Kachuk, and Claude Giroux, and like, they got a pretty good vibe surrounding that team. And I'm not saying Vladdy would ruin that vibe, but you know who knows, dude. I think at this point, it, I mean, without, I mean, I just say it like that. Dude's rep has got to be. I mean, not great. I mean, not great. Well, that's at all. probably a part of it too. I mean, one one can only assume that that's a part of all this. Um, but Carolina and Ottawa are the two teams that are still kind of in the rumor mill. But the longer this goes, man, the worse it gets because yeah. the teams are spending money in other places. They're allocating their funds to different players or you know whatever. So I don't I don't know where he lands in, in this whole thing. Boy, that's crazy. What about a guy like Connor Hellebuck in Winnipeg? Um, do you think, obviously he's, he's going to get moved at some point or the other, but do you think that that guy, and this is probably a stupid question, but do you think that guy is a difference maker for a team? Like it, like, and I know that it's stupid because the devils are already loaded, but if he would go to New Jersey, I would think that they would be maybe head and shoulders favorites going into next year. Do you think that, because it seems to me in reading about him and listening about him that People think that he's a really good goalie, but it doesn't seem to cross into that sort of upper echelon. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to want that upper echelon money when he signs a new deal with whatever team he gets traded to. Yeah, I, it escapes me right now what he's got left on his deal. This is the last year. The uh, going into this okay. year is his last year. And I so, think he's on for like 6-4 is what I think Yeah, uh, that's going to be the high end. He'll never get that again um, just because aging goaltenders just don't get paid. They don't. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you have your prime, and Hellebuck has had his prime. Uh, and so his next contract, unless somebody just decides to overpay, uh, it's possible. I, I don't know. I don't know when he gets traded. I don't know how that works out. Uh, there Certainly, you put him on almost any team in the league, and it makes them better. Mm-hmm. Now, most teams have their number one guy, and they're not going to pay that $6.4 million freight on a guy that they're already, you know, maybe they already have their number one. Like, if you're here in St. Louis, you've already got Jordan Bennington at $6 million. Yeah, 100%. So... And Jordan Bennington's the Stanley Cup champion. And congratulations, Jordan Bennington just got married. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I saw that. Way to go, Captain. I like <laughs> to job. see that a lot, man. Yeah. Um, so, okay, a couple of other things here that I just want to ask you about. One, it hurts my heart. It hurts my brain. It hurts my face. When I opened Twitter and saw Ryan O'Reilly sign a deal with the Nashville Predators. I hate it. I get it. But I hate it. However, okay, that said, he got four years, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Four times 4.5. And I, you know, dude, I had just drooled about this guy for the last four years. I just would not give him four years at this point in his career, would you? No, and I think that's why he went with Nashville. Yeah, because he could. And Barry Trotz has cleaned house over there. He's traded some big names. He's bought out some contracts. The number one thing he's tried to do and what he's on record saying, changing the culture. Mm -hmm. 
When you're changing the culture, you look for guys who can help you do that at a rapid pace. And Ryan O'Reilly's one of those guys. So did Barry Trotz overpay a little bit for Ryan O'Reilly to change the culture? Probably. But he's going to look at it in two ways. He's going to say, I'm going to get really good play out of this guy on the ice. And his value in the locker room and rebuilding this franchise is going to actually be a part of it as well. Yeah, that makes it, that makes a lot of sense. God, but seeing him in that jersey is going to That's going to be weird. God, it's going to suck. You know, I'm very happy to say we'll be back to the Last Minute Blues podcast in just a second. But now a word from uh, one of our sponsors, and that is Crestwood Dental Group. Uh, myself, uh, why did I say it like that? My entire family, including me, my dad, my brother, are all patients for Dr. Maxwell over at Crestwood Dental Group. And if you need a great dentist for your family, somebody that is going to make sure that your teeth and your gums are in excellent condition, man, Crestwood Dental Group and Dr. Maxwell are where you want to go, all right? They do laser dentistry there with Dr. Maxwell. Uh, Fillings with no shots. They've got uh, laser in-office teeth whitening, laser gum therapy so that you can get those teeth that absolutely pop. And they also do a membership plan for uninsured patients. So two cleanings, exams, x-rays, and discounts off treatment at our office and a few specialists as well. And new patients coming into the office that are becoming an established patient, meaning you're getting a cleaning, an x-ray, an exam, you're going to get a free take-home teeth whitening kit if you mention that you heard about it on the point or on the last minute blues podcast it's dr james maxwell and crestwood dental group find out more by going to crestwooddental.com okay another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another question here for you, and then we can talk about whatever. But um, uh, one of the things that I have been captivated by for the last six months or so is the Toronto Maple Leafs. The uh, the mini peaks and valleys of that whole situation. It's so dramatic all Dude, the time, isn't it? It really is. Dude, it so is. But like... Okay, so now it looks and and, and appears that they're not going to break up the the famous four there, at least this year. The core four. The core four, whatever. (laughs) Um, But in looking in what they did, outside of, you know, getting Ryan Reeves and signing him to a three-year contract, which I kind of don't even understand that, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know how they've made themselves any better than the team that lost to Florida last year in the playoffs. I know one of the things I read was that they were trying to do some short-term deals for this year to set themselves up for next offseason, which I understand. But, I mean, 
that's Toronto, and it's not like they're going to just be happy with you making the playoffs and maybe getting into the second round again. Yeah. Well, I don't hate what they've done. I don't hate it because that team was stagnant. Very, like, John Tavares is a leader, Austin Matthews is a leader, and they neither of them have personality. Mm-hmm. Like, I shouldn't say they don't have personality. They don't have a personality that's very outgoing. Okay. Like, John Tavares, I don't know the last time he smiled. Right. Like that, he hasn't sure. been invited to happy hour in a decade. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, very much. And Austin Matthews is so blah as well. And, like, they needed to turn the volume up in that room. They needed a guy to come in and just be a good guy. Just mm-hmm. be, you know, lots of energy every day and and make sure that the locker room's never just, oh, well, it's time to go to work. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's why Ryan Reeves was brought in there. Uh, and they didn't break the bank. He's making like a million something. Sure. If they're smart, they will have already defined his role for him. Listen, hey, you may not play every game. Mm-hmm. You may not play a game ever in the playoffs here at the Toronto Maple Leafs. You may not, but we need you to not be derailed when that happens because we just gave you three years when nobody in this league was going to. 100%. So I'm sure Revo bought into that. Max Domi, I love that signing. Mm-hmm. I love it. You don't think you're going to get the best hockey out of Max Domi? For a year. It's not It's not that as much. Is it just, I don't know. You know more than I do anyway. So that but just... Max Domi just came off an absolute fantastic season playing with a crap team in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then when he played in Dallas in the playoffs, he was a difference maker. So now you put him on a team where his dad is a legacy player. Yep. Like, his dad was a fighter, mind you, but he's an absolute rock star in Toronto. Yep. You don't think Max Domi's going to want to put forth his best effort to represent? You yeah. don't think you're going to get the best? And it's a one-year deal? So he's working for his uh, next deal on top right. of it. Yeah. He's working for the next year when the salary cap's going up by 5 or $6 million. So who's the goaltender? Is it Matt Murray? I think it's Murray right now. I, I think they ha- they have a few things in in progress. That's somewhere you could see Connor Hellebuck land. So just keep that in mind. All right, but they would have to do some money gymnastics to make that work because yeah, they're they up can. against the cap too. You can buy players out. You know, um, and you can send players to the minors and you know all that stuff. Here's one thing. Here's how I know I take this hockey thing and my Blues fandom way too seriously. When I saw Oscar Sundquist tweet yesterday morning with a blue heart and two eyes like two eyeball emojis i was like oh man is oscar coming back and then an hour or so later it's made official that that sunny is back in st louis Mm -hmm. as a st louis blue and we'd kind of talked about this before as a guy that is a really really wonderfully great fit and a fantastic st louis blue and boy our fourth line now i mean with torpo and that's not going to be a fun line to play against no now, look, at our team has got great depth up front. Where I'm wondering how it works is if Thomas and Cairo can become elite. Because mm-hmm. right now they're good. They're not elite. Mm-hmm. Elite is 100 points. And can one of them reach that plateau next year? Can two of them reach that plateau? I don't know. To be determined. Mm-hmm. But if they do, that forward group is as good as almost any team in the conference. You've got a couple of separators. Like Colorado is just blessed with dynamic talent and you're going to have to outwork that team but look around you, know, you got McDavid and Dreisaitl they're unicorns on that team the rest of the team is yeah they're okay you know but that's where the Blues for me their depth is going to be important because Thomas and Kyrie will never match up to McDavid and Dreisaitl 
they'll never match up to McKinnon and Ranton. Right. Like, there's just certain guys you just don't measure up to, and that's fine. That's where the the ancillary players, your extra, your depth, come in. And that's why acquiring Kevin Hayes was such a big deal for Army. That's why Kapanen, Verana, this is why Shanner and Saad have to have a good year. And now you've added Oscar Sundquist. Sammy Blay is a whole different yeah, player now. Yeah. So I, I'm actually optimistically excited to see what this looks like come mid-November. Because mm-hmm. it's easy to say right now, oh, my God, the team on paper, you know, everybody thinks they got a winner on paper. Sure. Um, but the first month of the season will tell us kind of what we need to know. So that's why I'm not, like, getting crazy about opening night. Me, it's mid-November. You're a month into the season. What does this team look like? If they're in the top three in the division at that point where they look like they're competitive, I like this team's chances to get into the playoffs. What happens from there? Who the hell knows? Sure. Who knows? But it would be a massive accomplishment for Doug Armstrong to have taken last year, not tanked, but dismantled the team. Yep. And then added some pieces, added some more, and then get back into the playoffs. Take a one-year break, and you're back in the playoffs. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's a, that. That's an absolute win. So, uh, real quick, while I'm thinking about it, um, your boy Stevie Y has been very busy in Detroit. Uh, they just trade and the evil signed. wizard, <laughs> dude. I. I, I, when I was a kid, I hated him so much because he was Johnny. a wing. No, now listen, because he was a wing and because I was a dumb kid. I hated him too. But he was just so great. And we've talked about him before on the podcast. So much respect with what he did in Tampa, what he's doing now in Detroit. He's turning that Detroit team into something, isn't he? So here's what's going on with Stevie. And one, I grew up watching Steve Eisman play. He's about eight years older than me. I remember going to the rink when he was just a young phenom. Because he's from... He's from Ottawa. Uh, right. And... uh then I played summer hockey with him, uh, then ended up playing against him. Hated his guts because he was so good. So good. I always respected him. I never cheap-shotted him, ever. Uh, I, I, did have a, I did have a threshold for that where I wouldn't go after certain guys. Iserman, Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, those were guys that I never crossed the line. Everybody else was pretty much fair play. Um, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. But play with uh, Stevie in, in Detroit and got to know him so well, become really good friends with him. And just watching him operate all along the way since his career has been over. And now going back to Detroit and seeing him last year when we got a ch- I got a chance to go back and do TV for the Blues game and go back to Detroit and talk to all these people and hanging out with Stevie. He, he just has a tremendous amount of pride in the Red Wing emblem. Mm-hmm. And that was from Mr. Illich. You know, he, that guy, by the way, what an individual. Mr. Illich has changed the complete look of downtown Detroit. You know, he passed away, unfortunately, but his son and his, his Illich companies have, like, revamped everything. It's incredible down there. Mm-hmm. But this is why Stevie's so proud of what he's doing in Detroit. Like, Steve Eisman, apart from Gordie Howe, Steve Eisman is the most famous Detroit Red Wing ever. 100%. Ted Lindsay in the conversation, okay? There's no doubt. Terrible Ted Lindsay in the conversation. But there, let's go. Let's go with a tie for first, all three of them. And he just wants to win. He wants to bring a Stanley Cup to the Detroit Red Wings as a general manager. And he's he's got his eyes set on the prize. He's got a very specific plan. He's got it all mapped out. And so, it just seems to be very incremental. <sighs> In what he's doing. He's disciplined. Yeah. He's, he, he never lets emotion take over. He's very disciplined. Same way as he was as a player. He was just very disciplined. It's, Steve Eisenman was the first player. I wish I had, I wish I played with Steve Eisenman my first year. 
And here's why. And it's not that I didn't play with great players. I did. I played with Wayne Gretzky, for, for freak's sake. <laughs> and Brett Hull and Al McKenna's like, come on, the, the list goes on. But Steve Eisman, when I was playing in Detroit, would drag me out on the ice 25 minutes before practice. Hey, come on out and shoot some pucks with me. And he grabbed the backup goalie. Poor Manny Legacy had to hate us. <laughs> but uh, he would drag, drag me on the ice. Hey, Ribs, let's go shoot some pucks. Because we sat right next to each other in the locker room. Mm-hmm. We drove to the rink at times together. We hung out on the road. Like... It, he nobody like a room full of all stars, right? So very few guys want to hit the ice twenty five minutes early. They don't need to. Yeah. But I was a grunt. And I was just happy to be there, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to take advantage of some time. Now this is a point in my career where I realized what I had to do to stay in the league, mm-hmm. and I realized the work that was necessary to be an NHL hockey player. Unfortunately, it got to me too late in my career, but. I, at this point, did recognize and embrace it. So anytime Stevie asked me to go out, I was like, yes, yes. And we'd go out, we'd shoot pucks. The goalie coach would be out there, and he'd come up with drills. And it's really where I started getting my first fix for sc- for skill work. It was wow. with Steve Eiserman. Yeah, yeah. We'd set up these things and do these crazy, like, tight turns and deking and tight turns and passing and shooting. And, you know, it'd be a full-on sweat before the team even comes on the ice. But I got... I I improved at the age of 31 years old. My game got better in one season playing with the Detroit Red Wings because I was out there doing all this extra work all the time. That's amazing. And then Stevie would always want to go into the gym, and he would want to ride the bike and ride the bike and ride the bike. So I'd ride the bike a little, but then I'd get there early and put in like a weight training session in there. I was in fantastic shape. I was more confident than ever. I was getting better on the ice. And, you know, my play was one of the most successful seasons I ever had as a player on the best team in the league. With nothing but Hall of Famers, I still managed to play 50 games that year. Man, that's a, that's and a lot of games, I managed man. to get into the playoffs to break the lineup. They sat Gary Fisher for me to play because they thought I was a better player. That was huge for me. And that's because Steve Eisman took Man. me under his wing. And you know what's so crazy about him, about, about Steve about Steve Eisman, and I want to even maybe put Joe Sackick in this as well, they look so stoic when they played, even now as a GM. Like, it is, like, I don't ever remember seeing Stevie, uh, St- I'm sure he smiled when he scored, but, like, it just felt like it was like, score, all right, let's go back and do it again. Like, it, there yeah. is just something sort of about that is just so cold about that. You know, man, yeah. like, I'm such a badass that, like, dude, I, I just kind of look not affected all the time. You that know was kind of the way, but St- uh, let me tell you about Steve Eiserman. This guy absolutely loves to laugh, uh-huh. like he does. And this is why I think we became such good friends is because I would absolutely obliterate him with insults all the time. <laughs> like, he, nobody was ever safe. and But nobody chirped Stevie. Because, you know, hey, it's Mr. It's, it's Mr. Red Wing. Right. You know, we're not going to chirp Stevie. <laughs> and I called him Forrest Gump and all this thing because he walked with a limp because he had to have a little piece of his leg shaved off in the playoffs one year. And so he, he walks like, I say, hey, Forrest, won't you grab me some tape while you're up, you know? <laughs> and we, I mean, just, I would, it was all fun stuff. Yeah, and he would give it back and whatnot, but. You know, for for Stevie, he liked it, so he always wanted to hang out on the road, go for dinner, and that these guys would go to places, Donnie, where the bill is like four grand, and they'd be inviting me to dinner. And I, I looked at Holly one time; so it was like it was like Holly, Shani, Chelly, Iserman, Lidstrom. This was like and Matthew Schneider. This was like our dinner cr- crew, and they would ask me to go to dinner. And I looked at Stevie and, and Holly one time, and I go, guys, I, I can't go to dinner at these places. 
Like you guys I don't are, make the money that you make. They were making millions of dollars, six, seven, eight million dollars a year. I was making two hundred and eighty thousand. Pre-tax, right? <laughs> Pre-tax. Dead taxed. Put that cut that sucker in half, Donnie. Right. I can't afford a four thousand dollar dinner. No kidding. And so, these guys were great. And it's I know. Come on, anyway. We got you. We got you. And I'm like, guys, I feel like an ass. You know, like listen, just come for dinner. Just be yourself. We'll take care of you. And then Stevie just grabbed me and says, Hey, listen, it's easy, man. We love having you here. You make us laugh. You're a funny bugger. And, you know, we enjoy having you around. You're an older guy, kind of, you know, just buy us lunch from time to time. I was like, okay. Dude, absolutely. So we'd be on the road or whatever, and I'd do Chipotle. I'd be like, I got it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but still, though, man, like, you're making an effort. Like, you know what I'm saying? Well, it was all relative, right? But right. I, what was great for me is I, I learned in that moment that um, that I could be an equal, even though financially and statistically I wasn't an equal, that I could be an equal, but I just had to carry my weight the way I could. And the way I could do it was lunch. Buying lunch or buying a breakfast on the road or getting to the bar and buying everybody around drinks sure. and making sure everybody's taken care of, you know? You know what, man? I, I, you're going you're gonna to laugh at me, or maybe somebody's already even said this to you before, but, you know, we've been doing this now for a few years. We talk about different stories all of the time. Man, you could write a hell of a book. Yeah, I've you, been asked about it. You really could. And, and, you know, like, initially, I wouldn't have thought in my head that, like, a guy that spent a year, uh, you know, twenty years as a, you know, fringe NHL player, if I can say that, mm-hmm. you know, like would have enough for a book, dude. You, it's between the synergy and how you coach, growing up, all of these stories from your pro time, dude. It would be amazing to read, man. Like amazing. I get so, ca- dude. You start telling these stories, and I just want to like, I want to rest my hands on my jaw and just like, <laughs> want, just listen. You know what I'm saying? It's I awesome. Kevin Allen from USA Today approached me about five years ago, and because he said every player he talked to had a story about me, had a story or played with me. He's like, I don't know. He's like, I, I, I know he didn't play on 25 teams, but he's, it feels like he played on 25 teams because everybody seems to know you. <laughs> right. And uh, he said, you know. I think there's an angle here. He says, but the problem is you're going to have to be 100% honest because there's a lot of stuff that I'm not proud of that went on. There's not. Like, I have a failed marriage, um, and I'm a big part of that. And, you know, you make bad decisions. And and just things that happen in life, and you're like, do I really want to open Pandora's box? Because I know you're going to find this hard to believe, uh, but I was a bit of a wild child in my 20s. And I... Shocked. Yeah, I Completely know. shocked by that. And I lived my life. Like, I partied with Motley Crue, went on the road with Motley Crue, partied with Kid Rock, partied with Metallica, like, partied my brains out with people, movie stars, all that stuff happened in my life. And I feel like I don't know how to box that into a book. Mm-hmm. Is the focus on just me? Is the focus on the game? You know? Like... Seems like there's a lot of avenues to go, but also, too, one of the things, man, you know, to give you a lot of credit, um, dude, you are so honest with with your shortcomings, especially earlier in, in your career. You you very much talk about not getting it and then get, you know, yeah. so like I feel like. You know, more than anything else, it's if you and your family are comfortable with you talking about some of those sorts of things. Yeah, and I don't know if you necessarily have to dive in deep into some of the 
escapades. Sure. I think if you just paint the picture of who you were with and where you were at, people can probably put two and two together. Sure. Can can probably. Yeah. Yes. So anyways, Kevin Allen approached me and we talked about some book titles. And uh, the one title that kind of stuck out that was kind of funny was like, it's not always about the superstars. That, But that's. I would read that, man. I, I mean... I just don't know how you'd market it, because I'm a nobody. Like, who the hell buys a nobody's book, you know? Well, sure, man. I mean, I, 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 I guess you could say that, but then I'm sure that there are, you know, man, sports folks, music industry folks that are behind the scenes people that yeah. have written some really great books about their experience, and you have a perspective that none of us have. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that, that, to me... And maybe that's just me being selfish, too, because I just love listening to your stories, man. What I've thought about doing, and this was just a brainstorm of mine one day, was just starting um, a podcast. Not like we do, but have it be like a autobiography podcast to where it would be a massive listen to where there'd be episode after episode, starting with, you know, talking to coaches I had when I was a kid teammates I had growing up, then junior hockey coaches, teammates, my brother, like mapping my way through my entire life, having guys like Tommy Lee come on and talk about our time together, having guys like Kid Rock on, having John Cusack, Eddie Vedder, like all these guys that I have personal stories with tell their time and and kind of map my way through and make it like one big listen. I think that would be better than a book. Brother, sign me up for either one because I'm freaking in. And I hate to do this, but we got to wrap up yeah, the podcast. Yeah, we got to roll. Some I of gotta us go have back. to work. I got to go back Donnie. in the studio. Uh, Mr. Yes, yeah, some of us have to work. <laughs> <laughs> for our, our dude, uh, Jeff Burton, which, uh, is, which is crazy enough, we found out a year ago yesterday. Uh, that our friend uh, Jeff was uh, was terminal is when we uh, we we got it. He's been on the brain a lot lately. I don't know. I exactly saw a guy why. yesterday at the gym. I almost went up and asked him to take a picture with him. It was Jeff's doppelganger. I looked over. I triple taked. I went what what? And then I wanted to go and say, "Listen, dude, I think you're here because I need you." Yeah. Then the guy would have been kind of weirded out. I'm sure, you know, somebody asked me yesterday. I almost man, feel like I should have done it just because Jeff would have enjoyed the awkward <laughs> the moment. Awkwardness, yeah. yeah, dude. Somebody asked me yesterday if I got upset when people talked about Jeff like he was their friend, even though I was closer th- than they were. If, if you know, if I were, if I got like you know jealous, like no, that's my that's you know that's my friend. You didn't know him like I knew him, and I just responded like it is the exact opposite for me. Like the stories. I, I love to hear them. They make me smile. They make me laugh. Oh, and yeah. that's the thing I miss about him most that we talk about is the laughter. That idiot would just say the craziest, weirdest, goofiest, worst stuff. And it was impossible to stay, to stay straight-faced. Impossible. There are times when we would just be in that little studio where we used to do the podcast. We'd do our podcast, whatever, and then you'd have to bolt because you're working. Yeah. And Jeff and I would sit in there. And we'd be in freaking tears talking about the dumbest crap you've ever heard in your life. And we'd just be in tears. And sometimes before you got there, and we would just, you know, and then of course we would abuse you when you came in. 100%. Or as soon as you came in, we'd go dead silent. <laughs> right. And then just start looking at me. And I was like, you know what? I don't need it out of you douchebags today. Man, for our homeboy, Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers, Donnie Fandango, as always, thanks for listening. Let's go, Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.